John said in John chapter 20, verse 31, these things are written that you might believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and by believing you may have eternal life. Written to create faith. Written to grow and mature faith. But also written to convict the heart of those who only believe at a surface level of mental acknowledgement about God or Jesus. You see, the reality is, in this world, there are believers, there are non-believers, and there are phony believers. And I was reminded of this yesterday. I do a lot of premarital counseling, as you know. A Christian couple came to me back last year, you know, in July. And we had another appointment yesterday. And I talk to them because I don't know them. They've just reached out. And I like premarital counseling because it gives you an opportunity to share the Lord. And not knowing them, I stress that I do counseling for premarital from a Christian perspective. You've got to know that about me. And is, is that okay? Because it's not okay with everybody. Yes, yes, yes. And they told me their background. And it was a very shallow background, but it was a place to work with. There was an acknowledgement of God and faith. But yesterday, yesterday it came out. When we talked about the wedding ceremony and traditions and what we would do and the format and the flow and the wording. I discussed that there would be one aspect of Genesis 2.24 that I would share for them for this reason. A man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two shall become one. Can we not say that? Because I'm still trying to decide what I believe about that issue. The wedding's September 1st. That was the last premarital counseling. And you've got to be gentle and gracious and kind to people because it's their wedding. But I reminded her, while you're trying to decide what you believe on this issue, I encourage you to do it, not from your own thoughts, but based on God's truth and guidance for mankind. Because scriptures tell us that God is the creator of marriage. That marriage is between a man, a woman, a husband, and a wife. That's scripture. And if I do your wedding, 
I'll be gentle. Because I'm not trying to persuade anybody doing a wedding. But I do Christian weddings. And God reminded me once again, even though I thought I'd done it, you make sure from now on you are absolutely clear that you do Christian weddings. I mean, go to a judge, go to a justice of the peace, get a friend to do it. But if you want me as a Christian pastor to do your wedding, I do it from a biblical perspective, not a religious perspective, a biblical perspective. And that was agreed to. And we're going to do it that way. But the reality is, heart was revealed. And God is so good in His timing, especially with part eight of our sermon series, Jesus Stories, as we look at something today that deals with people that have a belief that brings salvation, people who have no belief, and people who are phony believers. Now, I think after 12 years of being in this church, you know me well enough, but I'll reiterate it in case you're visiting. I think we're saved by grace through faith, not by works. We are not saved because we're good enough. We're not saved because we earn it. We are saved because we put our trust in Jesus. And out of that salvation that he brings into our life because of our faith, we work and we serve and we do deeds in the sanctification process to bring glory to his life and be faithful till the day that he calls us home. That's pretty straightforward and pretty simple. But that process is critically important. In John chapter 8, verse 30, as Jesus is speaking, it says, even as he spoke, many believed in him. You know, when you first read something like that, you think it's a heartfelt all-in, I believe. But it's really the type of belief that is what we see in James chapter 2, that you're not saved by faith alone, that your faith, as God would define it, is a faith that has actions, a faith that is committed, a faith that is surrendered, a faith that walks with God. In John chapter 6, Jesus is teaching a hard teaching, and he's talking to his disciples. We know that at a basic level, a disciple is a student, a pupil, a follower of the Lord. But you can be those things and not saved is what we've got to understand because that is that category of the possibility of phony believers. Of all texts, John 666 or chapter 6, verse 66... If anybody knows anything about apocalyptic literature, 666 is the mark of the beast, 6 was an evil number, and 666 compounded his ultimate evil. But in John chapter 6, verse 66, after Jesus' teaching, hard teachings to his disciples, it says, at this, many turned back and no longer walked with Jesus. And it says they were his disciples at that immature, phony, shallow mental acknowledgement of, yes, he is someone and we have a belief in him, but it wasn't a belief 
that was surrendered. It was not a belief that was absolutely, I follow you, I trust you, I will walk with you. It is a belief that is shallow, phony, not real. And they turn as his disciples and leave him because the teaching is too hard. You know how much easier it would be in my life to say, you can have any kind of relationship in this world that you want, and it doesn't matter the gender? Make my life so much easier. People would like me. I'm serious. Because you're dealing with people that don't look to the Word of God as the Word of God and as a guide for the life of what God wants and what brings Him glory and what brings Him honor. And so when you, no matter how kind and how humble, and say, this is a thus saith the Lord from the Word of God. And there's many, many other issues. There's issues like the getting drunk, partying and drinking to excess, getting drunk. Like, that's okay. It's all right to get drunk. We'll only do it on the weekends. And just go on and on and on. Is not to walk with Him. We may have those struggles in our lives at given points, but somewhere as believers that have made the decision, the heartfelt, surrendered, obedient decision to walk with Him throughout life, to be faithful to death in our imperfection. There's change. Church, there's change. Are you a believer that is surrendered and obedient and have committed to walk faithfully to death that His Word is what you build your belief system on? Or are you just a non-believer? That's one choice. Or are you a phony believer? And why I stress this with the passion that I hope comes across is because this is a matter of life and death. This is a matter of heaven and hell. You're not going to heaven just because God is a good, gracious, and kind God. You are going to heaven because you are trusting in what He did through Jesus Christ on the cross. And you're putting your hope and your faith in Jesus. And His blood cleanses you. And then the wrath of God that was on you is removed. A phony believer still has the wrath of God upon them. A true believer, someone who really believes, no longer has the wrath of God on them. We're still sinners. But the wrath that was on us has been put and placed on Him. That is what the cross is about. He took our sin. The wrath crushed Jesus on the cross. That's the difference between a real believer and a phony believer and someone who claims no belief at all and walks in their own light. And I want to tell you what. It is easy to fool ourselves and to be phony believers. I think that's where Satan's probably deceived most people, has sifted most people. In John chapter 8, verse 31, to the Jews who had believed in Him, Jesus said, if you hold my teaching, you are really my disciples, 
Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And we could camp out in that verse probably for weeks. But Jesus sort of set up as this test. Do you want to know if you are really, really his disciple? There it is. If you hold my teachings, you are really my disciples. This word really is, a, is an idea that it's absolute. It's, it's a fact. This holding to my teaching, some of your Bibles might use the word abide in, remain in. But what does it mean to remain in or to abide in his teachings? Is it just a mental acknowledgement that these are words from God? Doesn't seem to be that at all. To abide means to dwell. To abide means to live, to hold on, to cling to, to love. It is God's word that uh, Jesus tells us that is the most important thing to a believer. You see, Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. I am the nourishment. Jesus says, I am the water of life. Not just nourishment, but I quench the thirst. Not just the bread of life, not just the water of life, but the light of the world, the truth. Abide, remain in me, and I'll remain in you. And so you start to see that this holding to the teachings of the Lord are these ideas of He is my nourishment. He is what quenches my thirst. He is what brings me peace. He is what gives me calm. He is what gives me direction. I hold to His teachings, and not in a legalistic way, but I walk with Him. You can know right now at this moment, because the Spirit will let you know, Are you walking with the Lord? If you're walking with the Lord, if you're holding to His teachings, you are His. You are His. But you know, if you're not walking with Him, you know that. And I pray that if you are not walking with him and you find yourself in this category really of going, you know, my belief is phony. Hold to the teachings. I don't even open the scriptures. I don't even know what I believe. As if you're going to have to come up and it's going to be okay to let the world decide and how you feel about something, what you're going to believe. And then you'll settle in on it. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word, says Jesus, is truth. 
And Jesus himself is the incarnation of the Word of God. And that's why his children look to him and trust him and surrender and walk with him, not in perfection. But we battle it out day after day. We talk to him. Remember last week, it was about prayer. When the Son of Man returns, will he find anyone on earth that has faith? We are long-suffering. We are persevering. We are faithful till He calls us home. And we love His Word and we lay down in it and we stand upon it and we proclaim it and we're convicted by it and we're challenged by it and we're encouraged by it. We're nourished by it. We're fed by it. And it is everything to us because it is a representation of who Jesus is in the flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. He was face to face with God, says John in chapter 1 as he opens his gospel. How much do you value the Word? Now, to be truthful, you think after 33 years of preaching and dealing with these things, you'd get get used to phony believers, but you... You, you see them as phony, not because you're disrespecting them, but, but that's the reality. And you love people and you, you want them to know the truth and embrace the truth. But I want to tell you, I left that premarital counseling meeting yesterday. I, it was sort of depressing. It was de- You can do it the way you want. We'll trust you. But what I care about is What's in your heart? And you don't value God's Word. You don't value God's Word. Do you value God's Word? Nobody should have to tell you to open it. You should be opening it. We do everything else. Well, it's hard for me to understand. It's hard for me to read. So, read it. There's all kinds of versions of Bibles. Read it. Take a little time and read the Bible. And the reason you want to do that and desire to do it, and it's different at given points of our lives, is because you are someone that's been so convicted by the Spirit that you want to hold to the truth. Nobody really wants to hold to the truth. I'll do it my way. I'll keep records of wrongs. I won't forgive people. I don't have to be merciful in this situation. I'll do what I want and count on God's grace in this area to get me through. So give me another drink. God, I understand. I'll look at this porno all I want on my computer because no one else knows. tell you this next slide they answered him we are abraham's descendants and we've never been slaves of anyone how can you say we shall be set free how can you say that jesus it just blows my mind that uh, jewish people thought they've never been slaves to anybody they've been slaves to everybody 
for hundreds of years, 400 plus years, to the Egyptians in bondage. Slavery is bondage. But you know what I see in this verse? After Jesus says, this is what it means to truly be set free by holding to my teaching, the response is, we've never been slaves to anyone. We're Abraham's descendants. We're in that line of great faith of Abraham, the father of all who is faithful. They are blinded. They don't realize that they're in bondage, but they are enslaved. How many people think that they're doing just fine, not in bondage, free, that are enslaved. And so Jesus says, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son or daughter belongs to it forever. So if I set you free, says Jesus. You are free indeed. You are free absolutely. You are mine. You are a real disciple, a true disciple, a Christian, saved, washed, redeemed by the blood of the Lord, and His wrath is off of you. But if you're not, His wrath still remains. And so I hope a text that is as sobering as this text. Think about Jesus. He's a Jew. The disciples are Jewish. And he is going to the religious leaders and those Jews that are believing in him at that shallow level of mental acknowledgement. You guys don't hear God's word because you're not sons of God. That's what he says a few verses down. You're not sons of God. You're sons of the devil. Tell me Jesus wasn't bold. But he would ruin their day. If it might save their soul. We all need to thank God for His Word, the good book, the Holy Scriptures, the Bible. And we need to pick it up and walk with it in our hearts and fill ourselves with it as we look to the cross and give Him thanks for forgiving and setting free a wretched sinner like me, like you. May God so convict your heart to love His Word that it truly gives you the peace and comfort that you know, really know, from His Word and truth that you are His. And that those He brings into your life through divine appointment that you will have the same humble boldness as Jesus to present, confirm, and defend the gospel of Jesus Christ. And may every child, every teen, every man, every woman, every church leader throughout all of Africa 
be blessed by the word that they receive from Heavenly Father. And as Mike said earlier, His word does not return to Him empty. As the rain and the snow falls down from heaven and waters the earth, causing it to flourish and causing plants to blood and causing seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so it is with my word. When I send it out, it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish the purpose for which I sent it. I say all of this in grace. I say all of this to you in my own imperfection. But I say it to you standing cleansed as white as a lamb because the blood of Jesus Christ has washed over me. And may we all together share in that same graciousness of God in our lives. And may we take it to the world. So at this time, as we begin to continue to pray over these Bibles, this is what we're going to do. I'm going